you know, it was a surprise to me when um, I saw some reports that your uncle was allegedly involved in the socialized Christianity movement by way of the government, really, because that's a government, um, you know, he, the, the corruption wants to make Christianity powerless. And so I appreciate your response when you addressed um, Coretta Scott King and receiving the Margaret Sanger Award on behalf of, you know, Dr. King. Uh, could right. you... He didn't do that. And then as a student, he studied communism, socialism, all that. He attended some conference on socialism uh, and communism was addressed. But those were school assignments and he was writing and studying. But if you follow his writings all the way through to the time of his death, he proclaimed Jesus Christ, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and his account encountered directly with the spirit of the living God at his kitchen table one night at midnight. So he studied all the religions of the world. I did too, as a matter of fact, before I became a born again Christian. And I was looking and studying and all of that. But Martin Luther That was Dr. Alvita King. If she would have only known that they would have erected a massive penis in Boston in honor of her uncle. Well, you guys have seen the story already uh, about the tribute to MLK. Welcome to the Rookie Marican Show. I'm your girl, Lisa Carter. Listen, we're going to talk about this because this is crazy, bro. I, I don't even know if I'll be able to get through the show without laughing hysterically. This is insane. Why? Why has art gone so far left to be penetrated with, and not, not to be punny, but with with left leftist activism, what are we doing? Are you guys not checking this guy's work before you're erecting it? Come on, what what is happening? Okay, listen, this this piece of art. If if we can see this beautiful um, tribute to MLK, can we can <laughs> can we pull up the picture? Pull up the picture. Pull up the picture. Pull up the picture. Why? Why? Is this the only angle that we can see? Of I'm very confused. When I first saw this statue, I said, what is going on? Why does it look like this? Who okayed this? Did they not see it from the very many different angles? Okay, listen. The different angles. Listen, this statue was created by Hank Willis Thomas who is a native New Jerseyite. Um, he's from New Jersey, lives in New York. Why, why are we putting a statue in Boston? Yeah, this dude, he looks like Dave Chappelle's coked out cousin. Why are we, what, what is going on here? So listen, I, I had to look up this dude because I wanted to know, que le pasa? who gave this dude $10 million to make, I mean, I don't know if it went straight to him or maybe his team, but why, why is it a $10 million statue of what is going on? I don't, I don't have the words as to why, why was he picked for this job? So listen, I went and I dug on this guy. I wanted to know what was he about? Does he have a political stance. He does have a political stance. Um, he has a, uh, a woke agenda stance. Uh, his other pieces of work also say the same thing. Um, 
it's just very interesting. So this is this is the issue that I have with Boston right now. Um, one is that we are picking mayors uh, who have never lived in Boston. Michelle Wu, I believe, is from Chicago and is which, interestingly enough, she's fluent in Spanish. Uh, but, you know, she is probably one of the most left leaning people that we've seen in the city of Boston. She's not from Boston. This is this is the bone that I have to pick with people. Why are we selecting people to influence the city who do not live here, first of all? Um, secondly, there were a lot of mixed uh, reviews uh, about this piece of work. I'm not exactly sure why they didn't look at the work because you have to submit work in order for it to be approved, like pieces like this. Um, and uh, apparently the city of Boston lived in Boston. So I can speak on this. I, the, people of Bo the people of Boston chose this piece of work, which I, I really find it hard to believe. And you know who else finds it hard to believe? The cousin of the MLK, uh, of the King family. Let's see what the cousin had to say about this. Her name is Sunita. Sunita, Sakita, Sanika Scott, MLK's cousin. Okay, I believe it's Coretta's Coretta's cousin, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get through this without laughing hysterically. Okay, but then when it came out, the statue, a little boy pointed out, "This is a penis." <laughs> and everyone was like, "Yo, that's a big old dong, man." <laughs> if you had showed that statue to anyone in the hood, they would have been like, no, absolutely not. $10 million were wasted to create a masturbatory metal homage to my legendary family members, one of the all-time greatest American families. Sonika Scott, MLK's cousin. Listen, what on earth is going on? In, the, in these people's minds, what is happening? All right, so this is this is what the statue is supposed to represent. This is the picture that inspired it. This is the embrace. This is called the embrace. Uh, um, but you know, a good old-fashioned picture or like statue of somebody never hurt anyone. I don't know why we're trying to get creative here. Why are we trying to take? Why? What is going on? And this is an example of the woke culture. And you know, a lot of these news outlets, going back to the cousin's uh, quote, uh, they're removing because she, the, the cousin did say that this is a part of the woke culture that they're trying to uh, have MLK be a part of. Now we all know that MLK was a civil rights leader um, we knew that he was a Christian. Um, we confirmed that um, over and over again. I mean, he's he's quoted the Bible. Um, uh, you know, we know that MLK was a Christian and that a lot of the things that are happening today when it comes to the woke culture, we know that he wouldn't necessarily be um, for today. You know, the that culture, specifically the BLM movement, I had covered in my first show where the BLM movement uh, they were pro uh, LGBTQ, 
like if you had first looked on the BLM movement's page in the beginning, like when they first, when all of the George Floyd, Floyd stuff started coming out, they had um, everything on there pro LGBTQ, pro sexuality, um, pro lesbian, like it was just like a, an odd um, value belief system on anything that the left is pro on with the exception of pro black man. And so what we learned throughout this whole thing is that behind the BLM movement is also uh, a sexualized LGBTQ uh, movement uh, that was actually orchestrated by that movement. So the BLM movement has ties, strong, strong ties with the LGBTQ community. Um, and so we saw a picture, and I uh, I wish I could find this for you, of um, one of the pro-BLM activists taking a picture in front of the statue. And, you know, you've got to wonder why they're, they're continually trying to drag in. And, and you know, MLK was a, a conservative, you know, he I, I he was a the his belief systems were conservative and so to to drag an artist um into this who is doesn't have the same belief system you're actually walking a really rocky path it, it's kind of like when george washington had um somebody had asked the one of the masons had asked george washington if they could paint a picture of him and it's one of the pictures that's hung in dc and they painted him with masonic attire but what people don't know is that he had not authorized the painting of that picture um i think it was the one with the, when he's laying the cornerstone and so you know, a lot of people will go to DC and they'll say, look, George Washington has Masonic attire on. Clearly he was part of the Masonic, which is what is now recognized as the agenda. And so that's what happens when you don't, and, and he did not want them to paint that picture. He had gone to George Washington and asked him and he had said no. And it wasn't until way after that he had painted that picture and it was placed in DC. And so that's what happens when you, uh, you can clearly alter history um, and people's belief systems behind history when you take things like that and you alter them completely. And this is a prime example in Boston with the MLK. You took, you took a woke artist and you tried to put him on creating a piece that is supposed to be very significant for this family in a city that's very significant for the family and you turned it into a massive penis and <laughs> there's just there's just no way around it and that's what happens you you're you're taking something that's supposed to be pure and you're completely corrupting it for an agenda now this is it you know if if it's correct that this is really a perverted piece and that it was allowed in the city we have we have much bigger problems um, to worry about, um, especially in the city of Boston. Listen, we know that the mayor, the, the leaders in Boston have an agenda. It's been speculated. Uh, I, I mean, look, if you look at the last governor, um, who was Governor Baker, who ran as a Republican, won as a Republican, but still managed to kind of 
I mean, you wouldn't know. They, a lot of you know, he's a rhino. I mean, a lot of people believe that he's a rhino in Boston, in in Massachusetts. And so, listen, people have no idea how we got into office when Massachusetts, primarily and really the city of Boston or the major cities in Massachusetts, vote blue. Um, that's not to say that the, the surrounding cities don't vote blue. They they vote red. Um, but because those cities are so congested in their cities, really, Massachusetts is a red state. And it's been known for a long time that we've had these representatives that have been their, their leftist representatives. And it doesn't matter if you won an election fair and square on paper. Uh, it seems like the other side gets in all the time and it's not questioned or contested. And so, you know, this is this is this is what happens and then you have someone in like michelle Wu, who is the mayor of boston right now who is saying hey listen this is a let's this is a celebratory of you know black love um you know this this is exactly what it is but you actually have to look at if a leftist um is celebrating something you have to ask why you know what what are their belief systems what are their values and and it's a tough, it's a tough call because this, you know, this literally, is there, can somebody tell me, is there a plaque there that explains what this statue is? I actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to go see this. Um, I'll, I'll probably go see it within the next few weeks, maybe report while I'm there, uh, see if there's actually some kind of an explanation as to what this thing really is. Um, because people are going to go up there and they're going to be super confused. It doesn't look like the embrace with Coretta Scott King. What? Like I got them. That's all I have to say. They, they completely, <laughs> I don't know. There's no other word. There's no word for it in English other than it's been crapped on. Um, and what would have been such a beautiful homage for both sides. This didn't have to be a right or left issue. Um, if it would have just been a statue um, of the both of them embracing. And so, um, you know, what's going to happen now? Are we going to, uh, are we going to protest this? What, what can be done? Uh, and this can be something that, you know, the city of Boston unifies over because if the hood and, you know, whoever else wants to come together and be like, Hey, listen, let's get this, this terrible garbage out out of all of the things that they're defacing the Christopher Columbus statues, um, all of the, you know, the George Washington statues, all of the things that they've defaced, um, in Boston, uh, because it's, you know, part of a history that they don't necessarily agree with and they want to erase history. I really, I'm not saying I'm hoping I'm not advocating for this, but I'm wondering if this one is going to be defaced or castrated. I guess you could. <laughs> <It's gonna> be... <laughs> am I, I going to be? <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through the show. Is are, are we gonna are we gonna castrate this this piece? What what is going to happen? Because. I'm not advocating for that. I'm really not. So don't come at me. Don't at me at all. But I'm just saying, what are you guys going to do about this? Because this is crazy. Even the family is saying that this is a disgrace to um, to their their family. Here at the Rookie American, we want to pay a proper homage to the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Since the city of Boston just can't get their stuff together. And so we're going to go to commercial and we are going to rebroadcast 
special interview that I had with his niece, Dr. Alvita King. Last year in Florida, there were 80,000 pregnancies terminated. And here's a sobering statistic. By midnight tonight, when most of us are sound asleep, another 219 precious boys and girls will have been killed in the state of Florida. I'm Mark Mink. I was conceived in an unplanned pregnancy. My teenage birth mother graciously placed me for adoption. Now I'm the state chairman for the Human Life Protection Amendment Citizen Initiative. Our mission is to amend the Florida Constitution through a grassroots citizen effort so the most victimized and vulnerable are protected. To accomplish this, we need almost 900,000 signatures from registered voters across the state of Florida by February 1st of 2024. With the bloodshed of the most precious happening on our watch, I'm asking for your help to build a wall of protection around these preborn lives, a constitutional wall of protection. Their very lives depend upon it. Without further ado, it is an honor that we welcome Dr. Alveda King, Chairman of the Center for the American Dream and America First Policy Institute. Welcome, Dr. King. Well, it's such a joy to join you and your listeners. Hi, everybody. Listen, I I am so overjoyed um, to have you on my show today. I have so many questions for you, but I will definitely keep it to a minimum. Uh, now, when I uh, when I researched your work with the institute, I realized that your focus there uh, really is instilling what your uncle Martin Luther King's work uh, in America uh, really was rooted in, which was uh, rooted in our Declaration of Independence that all men were created equal. Uh, you know, did you ever receive any pushback when you made sure to include the unborn? Well, it's important for your viewers and listeners to understand that there is going to be pushback when you begin to tell uncomfortable truths. So I have had some pushback when I first started giving my testimony publicly at around 1983-84, and I had become a born-again Christian. I began to talk about my own abortions and how my grandfather saved me from abortion. So uh, women especially, and especially African-American women, that's just personal business. Don't put your business in the streets. Don't say things like that. But God had revealed to me if I would give my testimony, God would bless others with my testimony. Mm. Because even though I had the abortions and a miscarriage because of damage to my body by one of the abortions, uh, God has healed me and used my voice to promote life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness from the womb to the tomb into eternity. Choosing life so that I and my children and the next generations can live and be blessed. So there is pushback and you know, you hear that, but we just have to go ahead and tell the truth anyway. Right. Now, you know, it's interesting to see that the women that have come on the other side of abortion that have found healing, most of them, um, if not all, are Christians because they understand that they're a new creation in Christ and they will one day see, you know, their babies in heaven again. Uh, you know, yes. and there are there aren't many people who have come forward to talk about the serious mental, spiritual, and physical consequences that abortion can have on women. Why do you think that is? Well, you have many organizations now. Uh, Silent No More was one with the Justice Foundation, and the women begin to talk about how abortion had hurt us. And then Silent No More Awareness 
uh, came after that. So uh, there were briefs to the United States Supreme Court from some of us who did talk about how abortion hurt us. Mm -hmm. And that helped in the uh, opportunities for the court to explore the Roe v. Wade decision where that law was overturned finally. Uh, but I do want to mention as, as well, if we don't do our homework and teach every generation moving forward what happened, it could come back and it could be worse. So the way that we overcome that is to continue to inform, educate, and activate people about the harm of abortion, not just to the baby, but to the mother, the father, the family, the community, and the world. Now, my 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 lane really what i love to do on the show is explain and teach that at the heart of socialism is to remove christ from a nation and so ideologies such such as abortion um and crt and many others you know are, are now being magnified um not only are magnified throughout the nation now and exposed but also have seeped into christianity and american christianity at that uh you know it was a surprise to me when um, I saw some reports that your uncle was allegedly involved in the socialized Christianity movement by way of the government, really, because that's a government, um, you know, he, the, the corruption wants to make Christianity powerless. And so I appreciate your response when you addressed um, Coretta Scott King and receiving the Margaret Sanger Award on behalf of, you know, Dr. King. Uh, could right, you he didn't do that. And then as a student, he studied communism, socialism, all that. He attended some conference on socialism uh, and communism was addressed. But those were school assignments and he was writing and studying. But if you follow his writings all the way through to the time of his death, he proclaimed Jesus Christ and the Lordship of Jesus Christ and his account encountered directly with the spirit of the living God at his kitchen table one night at midnight. So he studied all the religions of the world. I did too, as a matter of fact, before I became a born-again Christian. And I was looking and studying and all of that. But Martin Luther King Jr. had an encounter with the living God. He was not a socialist nor a communist. But he did go to conferences and studied it and read various books. He would quote Gandhi on nonviolence. But Martin Luther King Jr., uh, at the end of his life, was professing Jesus Christ as Lord. Good. Uh, now, that's uh, probably a relief for many out here to hear, especially since, you know, it's it's tough to see, you know, when you just see a couple clips or a couple articles, you really do have to dig and get the information or really get it from the horse's mouth um, at this point, because you can't really, you don't really know what kind of information to rely on. You have to read Martin Luther King Jr.'s, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermons, and he uh, has quite a few of those out there as well. You know, and what's interesting is that uh, the founding of this nation was really based on many sermons that were preached <laughs> while they were writing up the Constitution. And so, you know, those truths can be found, many truths can be found uh, within sermon writing, which is really interesting uh, read dynamic. The sermons, read the yeah. sermons. Not the philosophy, but the sermons. Right. Uh, now, when it comes to family, because I've also seen some reports on some family members that are on the other side of the fence, uh, you know, with this. And this does resonate with many Americans where they come out and they say, hey, I'm Hispanic or I'm Black and, I, you know, I, I'm trying to be vocal about, you know, my, my conservative values. 
Uh, and then you have, especially if they're Christian, and then you have other Christian family members that say, well, you know, I'm pro BLM, and <laughs> they don't really know where yeah. those issues are rooted in. And I see that uh, somewhat in your family as well. How do you how do you deal with that? How do you manage that? Well, many of my family members are a lot younger than I am, and they're on the journey of exploring and discovering truth as they go. And I remember many years ago, of course, I was a Democrat as a young woman. I was elected to the Georgia State Legislature as a Democrat, in fact, and that was before I became a born-again Christian. So I don't put my spiritual commitment into a political party. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Independent, all of that. We need to get as close to the Word of God and truth, faith, hope, and love as we can. And it should not matter what color our skin is, what our political party is, what our church affiliation or denomination happens to be. So I know that now, but I didn't always know that. And there are members of my family, of course, who are on uh, the same journey that I've been on. So I'm just older and I didn't always feel the way that I do. And I just pray and I talk sincerely and truthfully, as truthfully as I can. And that's what I do. That's great. That's I'm sure that's a, a sense of relief for many people hearing right now where they just feel like, hopeless when it comes to to family but you know what we can't change people but god can god can god change can. people's hearts just keep living out the life of christ and let everybody see it right yeah. so just like you my goal is to educate americans on the truth about our history turn lukewarm christians into holy spirit and fire revivalists really yeah. and spread the gospel in the last days what is your message to those who feel like there's no hope left in america well, now by faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these, of course, is love, but we have to have hope, we have to have faith, and just don't give up. And when today, sometimes I, I get a little down, and I'll call somebody and say, well, I'm used to praying for everybody, but would you pray for me today? Mm. And uh, I get encouragement and prayer for others. We're the body of Christ, and we're supposed to edify ourselves, edify each other, admonish each other when we are slipping off sometimes, but do it in love, not severe criticism and judgment. So those are things that you learn as you go along and if you live long enough. I'll give you this example. A couple of things happened not too long ago. Uh, President Donald Josh Trump house was in Mar-a-Lago, was raided by mm -hmm. the FBI. The son's room was invaded, the wife, all that. That was absolutely terrible. Now, people who don't like President Trump, oh, good, put him in jail, he's terrible. Now, Around the same time, the president of the United States, President Biden, fell off of his bicycle. And there were people laughing. Wow, I hope he broke his neck and all that. I said, wait a minute. What do you mean? Now, I don't agree with the policies of President Biden, but to rejoice because he fell off his bike and laugh at him, that doesn't sound like Jesus Christ to me. Mm. So I think we have to model Christ in everything we do. And uh, in, we, in doing that, we can pray. Because how can you pray for somebody if you hate them or disdain them? How can you pray for them? Right. That's, I, I felt, honestly, I'm a little, I feel a little convicted. <laughs> right now, I'm, I'm a little convicted. <laughs> you're right. No, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. Now, listen, I, I like to do at the end of all of my shows, um, an altar call for those, you know, we're in the last days. I got to use every single platform that I know possible. Would you join me in, in helping people pray for their salvation? 
Okay, well, Father God, your word says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. John 3, 16 is extended to everybody, and you're not a respectable person. So, Lord, uh, let us continue to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And for those who have not yet received Christ, let us model Christ, not ourselves and our thoughts and opinions. So uh, let us be quick to repent, quick to forgive, and quick to love, oh God. Forgive us where we sin and in your model prayer. From Lord Jesus, you said, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. So, Lord, we pray uh, asking for forgiveness and then forgiving others and loving you. Uh, and for those who have yet to come into a deeper understanding of your love, uh, draw them in. It's only you can do through Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And I would like to pray over you, too, if that's okay. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today in a spirit of thanksgiving, Lord. I thank you for the life of Dr. Aveda King. I thank you for what she's doing, not only in this nation, Lord, but also within your kingdom and expanding your kingdom and bringing people closer to you, Lord, and taking away the brokenness that Satan wanted for their lives. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I break every bondage, every sickness, every guilt, every shame in the name of Jesus that anybody that anyone has or that any kind of bondage that Satan has put on not only the people of this nation, but also any kind of uh, uh, prior fiery arrows that you have planned for the, for the doctor, I bind that and I cast that out in the name of Jesus. In your word, it says that we have authority over the devil. And right now we declare that there's a hedge of protection around the doctor and that she continue her work. And that Jesus says to her, well done, good and faithful servant when her time is up. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you. Look bless everyone. Thank you very much for coming on, and I hope to see you again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. What an awesome time that was interviewing uh, Alveda King. What an honor it was to interview somebody from the family and really understand what, uh, you know, what Martin Luther King was about and what his ideals were and, you know, how that shaped a nation. But listen, we're going to do some bread, bedtime prayers, as I like to call it here at the Rookie and Marie. And listen, Jesus is coming back soon. I don't know if you know, but the fact that they erected a massive uh, penis in Boston is probably what should be one of the signs of <laughs> Jesus coming back in the Bible. And, you know, I want to give you the opportunity. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Why am I doing that? Because when I, when you lay your head at night, when you lay your head down at night, I want you to know for sure whether or not you are going to heaven or hell. Uh, this world is coming to an end soon. We've known that within the last two years, and we know that you are here for a reason. There is a reason why that you are here today. God created you for a special reason. It's time for you to figure that out. Stop being in the corner, depressed, anxiety. Those are things that the enemy wants you to have so that you can't fulfill your purpose here while we are in the last days. So listen, if you feel like that is you today, there is no sin that God cannot forgive. Uh, there is nothing. There's, he gives you an authority to conquer uh, the, the strategies of the enemy once you get saved in Jesus' name. So bow your head and close your eyes. Repeat this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. 
I confess with my mouth that I am a sinner and that Jesus died for me. I believe in my heart that he rose from the dead on the third day and he ascended into heaven. I believe in my heart that I am a full blood, spirit filled Christian in Jesus name. That's all it is. That's all you had to do. Go to rookierevival.com, get your free Bible as well as instructions on how to read the Bible. I will send you one your way. Super, super simple. Welcome to the family. You are a new creation in Christ. Listen, it's not an easy road, but it is a wonderful, awesome, joyful road that you will walk down once you read the sword. The sword is the word of God. I'm looking for mine here. They're back there. Uh, but that's the word of God. You've got to learn how to use your weapon when it come, when you come up against the enemy, when he tells you they're not worth anything, when he tells you that you can't do it, when he tells you that, you know, this, this is the wrong decision that you made. You've got to know your word of God so that you can use the sword to combat what's about to come. You've got to build yourself up spiritually. So welcome to the family. Hit up rookierevival.com and I'll see you guys next week.